So we thought we'd begin this episode with talking a little bit about Piranova itself. I think we mentioned that in our teaser episode. Yeah. And uh, But before we get into that, I think if you've been following the progress, you've seen that uh, the podcast is now available on Apple iTunes as well, uh, along with Google Music and Spotify. And Stitcher as well, that's right. You are listening to Peer Nova's Chain in the Valley, where we discuss all things blockchain and DLT over our morning coffee. Here are your hosts, Sonia and Navid. All right, so why don't we start talking about maybe at a higher level what Peer Nova does, and then we'll talk a little bit about blockchain and the financial industry as a whole. Sounds good. So. Peer Nova's tagline, building a frictionless financial markets based on trust and transparency. And so what does that actually mean? There are very specific points around what friction essentially means to us. And so we believe that our approach to a blockchain-based solution, a DLT solution, is very fitting to some of these friction points. So some of the points of friction that we're going to be covering today is uh, things like fragmented data, systems, and the workflow models. There's a lack of single source of truth, which we will define and go into more detail. Uh, Lack of real-time visibility and transparency, which is a part of our tagline. And also some cybersecurity uh, vulnerabilities. Wow, I didn't know we had that many friction points, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, all jokes aside, the purpose of our Kineoform platform is essentially focusing on some very, very specific issues within the financial industry. And uh, we're going to get into these details a little bit more. But before we do that, let me ask you, uh, do you have any questions at this point? Oh, where do I begin? That's why I brought a very special guest today, an expert on our first episode. So no pressure to her. We're super excited to have one of our own on the show today, Miss Marsha Bhatia. She's our product marketing manager here at Purnova in Silicon Valley. So welcome, Marsha. Hey, guys. It's good to join you on this first episode. So, Varsha, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do, um, your tenure with Piranova, and uh, uh, give us kind of an introduction into who Varsha is. All right, sure. Um, so, I actually joined Piranova, it's been more than three years now. I joined as a product manager um, and, uh, you know, and, and have transitioned to product marketing management since then. Uh, and I've been, because it's been three plus years now, I feel like I've been a little bit part of this blockway, uh, blockchain DLT platform journey, and, it, and it's it's exciting to see uh, how far it's come. That's great. That's fantastic. Uh, so Varsha has been an integral part of the product team, and we're very, very lucky to have her help now with product marketing as well. And um, so why don't we just jump right, right into it and talk a little bit about Kineoform platform as a whole. So why don't you give us sort of your description of what Kineoform is and uh, who is the primary target audience for it? Okay. So can I start off with an interesting fact about Kineoform yeah. and, you know, how we derived our inspiration for Please. the name? Um, all right. So Kineoform actually is uh, uh, one of the earliest forms of writing uh, that was created by Sumerians of ancient Mesopotamia. And what they did was every trade transaction that happened, say a farmer selling sheep to another farmer, that kind of trade transaction was happened on um, soft clay tablets when they were wet. And when those clay tablets hardened, 
the transaction was inscribed on there forever and in some sense became immutable. And so that's where we derive our inspiration from what we should call our uh, platform. Um, so very simply put, Kinyaform uh, is our underlying DLT slash blockchain platform. Uh, in more technical terms, uh, there are a few things it offers. It's a secure permission network as against the public DLT platforms that are out there. You can transact securely, uh, confidentially share data and business logic amongst the various parties involved. Um, it's basically an immutable single source of truth. You know, you, you provide proofs of guaranteed non-repudiation of data. Uh, we adhere to what the industry commonly refers to as zero-knowledge proofs. Uh, which means that we very cleverly mask the data and yet allow the various uh, independent parties to verify to the integrity of the data. That is great, Varsha. Thank you for that great description of what Kineform is. Of course, it was initially built on the concept of immutability. Mm -hmm. And so can you tell us a little bit? So we talked about these friction points that we're essentially trying to solve. And so let's take the first one, for example. So we're, we're saying that there are many manual processes, disparate systems, you know, sort of inefficient workflows um, that uh, currently essentially exist within financial institutions and financial markets. So how does Kineoform aim to, for instance, in that one instance, remove friction? Sure. So let's talk about market infrastructure networks, right? There are many independent players. There are exchanges, uh, CCPs, which are the central peering counterparties. There are CSDs, which are the central security depositories. Um, there are uh, custodian banks, which is a bank for banks. Uh, there are investment managers, executing brokers. And each of these parties play an independent role in a financial transaction. Um, the frictions that we're talking about are, uh, and you referred to, Sonia, you referred to them, uh, to this one previously, fragmented data. Um, now, each of these parties have their individual systems, individual work, workflow models, which means that a single trade record per se is represented differently in each of these systems. So reconciliation at the end of the day is imminent, right, amongst these parties. This causes inefficiencies, delays in getting that golden source of record because of reconciliations that you have to do. And some of these reconciliations are redundant reconciliations to get that golden mm -hmm. uh, source of data. So that's one. The second one we talked about was lack of a single source of truth. Um, there is no single source of truth amongst these various parties. Again, uh, each of these parties store data in their own internal databases. They could be in different data formats. So for example, uh, the value of notional, like a notional amount could be stored as a string in one system. It could be a decimal in another system and a number in a third system. Uh, the uh, data encodings could be different. It could be hex or UTF-8 in one system and binary in another system. Uh, uh, so this, uh, then there are non-standard life cycle events that act and transform these different uh, records, right? Um, so uh, this adds another layer of complexity to the reconciliation itself. And the uh, exceptions that arise from these reconciliation processes those in most cases are manually pretty intensive. So uh, again, uh, you know that 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 delays processes even more, and this in turn leads to a uh, lack of real time visibility and transparency, which was one of the other points mm -hmm. that you uh, referred to, Sonia. Um, so if you talk to financial institutions and banks today about what they'd like to do, one of the biggest things that they'll say is they'd like to automate the exception processing. Uh, exception processing. 
Um, when there are exceptions, uh, banks need to fix ex ex exceptions as quickly as possible so as not to hold a lot of capital buffers that these exceptions would be holding. Um, um, and the reason for that is uh, today they have to they have to have their uh, IT team uh, uh, query independent systems in silos to gather information about why the error occurred or where it occurred. Uh, and that could take two to three days. Um, uh, and the reason for that is because these exceptions are not available in real time. And so there's no end-to-end uh, -end visibility and transparency amongst these systems. So just to continue with uh, the Kineform platform features itself, um, uh, the, the third point that I wanted to make was about uh, providing complete participant privacy and uh, transaction confidentiality. Uh, platform allows you to build what we call an event lineage, which uh, provides this front-to-back office complete end-to-end -end visibility and allows for real-time uh, state tracking. Um, the platform also provides the self-serve workbench tools, which allows you to go in, like operations folks and IT folks, to go in, create normalization rules, uh, create uh, rules that define how events in these various uh, disconnected systems are actually connected together, provide reconciliation rules. Uh, you can also model, model your smart contracts in a template-driven approach. Uh, it provides analytics and reporting tools. So again, I'm touching on very high-level points within Kenya Form. I think you would need a podcast session to go into each of these points in great detail. So I'll just leave it at that. Great. So we're not retiring after today. <laughs> no, no, we're to come. For sure not. <laughs> All right. So um, in our tagline, we talk about trust and transparency. So it's very important to us. When we talk about DLT, what does what do those two things really mean? So, when, so there are certain things that are inherent to a blockchain system. And that is that, for instance, when we say immutability, that's achieved by a, a, a few steps. But in essence, when you have a ledger system where when things are append only, meaning that I'm not able to go back and make modifications to a piece of data that's already been written to the ledger. I'm only able to append what I've already written. Number one, this uh, essentially makes uh, the, the data permanent or quote-unquote immutable, meaning I'm not able to change it or delete it. The, the hash or the signature of a particular transaction is always embedded in the next uh, piece of that ledger that gets recorded. And therefore, if Every transaction essentially has the signature of all previous transactions embedded into it. And therefore, if I go in there and all of a sudden, you know, pick one of those uh, pieces of data and try to change it, well, guess what? The entire signature of that ledger changes. And therefore, it's very obvious for anyone to quickly spot that something has changed. Mm -hmm. And so that is part of that trust that we talk about, that you are recording the data in a way that's very um, tamper evident. Now, you know, if you think about a traditional database where you have, you know, columns and rows, and so if I need to change something, I'll simply go back into one and change it. This is a completely different way of looking at how we store data. Yeah, and this actually segues into... Yet another friction point, which was about the cybersecurity vulnerabilities, mm -hmm. right? Now, inside a bank or finance, financial institution, there are multiple internal systems. Now, each of these is becomes a potential cybersecurity vulnerability. Uh, with a blockchain or DLT type of solution, you're getting these inherent characteristics of tamper resistance, tamper proof, and it automatically has a direct impact on the cyber costs. Absolutely. Right. 
So Varsha, you briefly mentioned event lineage. Now I've heard of data lineage, but I'm sure many of our listeners don't know the difference. Would you mm-hmm. mind explaining that? Sure. Um, so uh, uh, when we talk about data lineage, it's basically a piece of data that you're tracking across the various systems. Uh, but let me give you a simple example of an event lineage, right? Uh, so uh, a financial institution has many has different silos. There's front office, back o- uh, middle office, and back office. Each of these are represented by hundreds of applications, not just a single application. So say a trade that comes in into uh, a front office system is captured there. It moves into a middle office system where uh, there could be a bunch of things happening. There could be um, uh, aggregation, netting, allocation. Uh, it could move into back office systems where, which are more concerned with clearing and settlement and reporting. Um, some of these systems are internal. Some of them are external. Uh, what event lineage, what Kineaform event lineage allows you to do essentially is uh, sequence these different events in these different systems as a blockchain. Um, and uh, what this basically allows one to do is, as an operations user, one can ask questions in, uh, in the forward-to-back direction, things like, where is my trade, and get a real-time instantaneous answer, uh, and also ask questions in the reverse direction, uh, like a regulatory body, which might be looking at a consolidated book of records and saying, what is the sequence of events that basically culminated in this consolidated book of records? So essentially, I can ask questions in both directions. And not only that, these event lineages that we create are basically idempotent, which simply means that I can replay the same sequence of events at any later point of time. Uh, This is helpful when there are exceptions that arise and you want to replay the last uh, set of correct transactions to know exactly the place where the exception happened, right? So... Yeah. Yeah. So I think this this overall approach that Kinuform has as a platform is very unique because it gives you so many different um, angles into what it is that you're essentially recording, how you're able to build. And we didn't get a chance to talk about this today, but what a golden data source in essence is, and how do you go about building one mm-hmm. that everybody can rely on? Of course, th- these are some very very complex topics that I'm sure we'll get to more at length in in subsequent episodes, but I think this was a great introduction into uh, what essentially we're up to here at uh, Pier Nova. So thank you for that, Varsha. Thank you, Varsha. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Happy to do it. So if you love us as much as we love ourselves, (laughs) come back next week for episode two of Chain in the Valley. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Store, Stitcher, didn't know what that was, but now I do, and chaininthevalley.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Chain and Valley for updates and announcements on what's next. So you can also tweet us if you have any questions or you have ideas for guests or topics for our next episode. So thanks for listening, guys, and have a great week.